and I welcome you to What's New. We move on today to verses 27 to 30 of Matthew chapter 5. In these verses, the Lord continues to deal in a tremendous way with the law and with man's relationship to it. On our previous study, taken from verses 21 to 26, Jesus dealt with the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Now, here in today's verses, he deals with the subject of adultery, the seventh commandment. Now, here are verses 27 through 30 of Matthew chapter 5, and they read as follows. The law of Moses said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, if your eye even if it is your best eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Better for a part of you to be destroyed than for all of you to be cast into hell. And if your hand, even your right hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Better that than to find yourself in hell. given to us here in these verses is very severe, but it reveals that if you cannot meet God's standards, and let's face it, no one can, you need a Savior. That's why Christ came. 
Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. A new principle is taught by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. I spoke yesterday about Jesus' commentary concerning the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Jesus gave a deeper meaning to this command than just the act of homicide. Today I focus on another sin clearly forbidden by the seventh commandment. Moses wrote, You shall not commit adultery, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Here is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Adultery, or sexual relations outside of marriage, was strictly forbidden by God. For very good reasons. I spoke about that on the series on the Ten Commandments. Some ancients looked at the sin of adultery as the sin of stealing. Actually, commands 6 through 9 can all be considered as sins of theft. Number 6 says you shall not murder. Every person has a right to his life, and to take it is to steal something very precious. Commandment 7 reads, You shall not commit adultery. Every person has a right to his or her spouse. To commit adultery is to steal another's spouse. That is devastating to any society. Commandment number eight reads, You shall not steal. Everyone has a right to his property. And commandment number nine reads, You shall not give false witness against your neighbor. To give false witness is to steal another's reputation. Everyone has a right to his reputation. Now coming back to the words of Jesus, Jesus doesn't focus on the act of adultery. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law covered that. Their concern was to catch people in the act. Jesus focused on what's behind the act, on the thought. Adultery begins with a lustful look and thought. It is completed when that thought is translated into act. Desires merge into deeds. It's great not to do the act, but it's another matter not to wish to do it. Apparently, the thought is more basic than the deed, because that's where it all begins. Now, let's explore this for a moment. I spoke about anger yesterday. Who hasn't wanted to strike another person in anger? For man under sin, that is a natural desire, and it will in all likelihood merge into the act unless the thought is curbed. Now, what man hasn't had an adulterous thought? Sexual desires is a part of human nature. They are normal. Does a passing thought constitute the sin of adultery? What did Jesus here mean? I want to suggest that I believe that Jesus condemns the man who looks at a woman with a specific and deliberate intention of having sexual relations with her. A man who deliberately and continually uses his eyes to feed his lust is guilty. Anyone who deliberately feeds and continually stimulates this desire is guilty. 
There are men who deliberately design their activities so that they will stimulate and excite their illicit sexual drives. It may be in the choice of books, of magazines, of TV programs, movies, and a host of other things. It is not easy for the person who wants to walk with Christ and live a clean life. Our society doesn't make it easy. Satan has designed the ungodly world to make a walk with Christ difficult. The things that I just mentioned are designed to feed man's lust. The bottom line for humans is money, but for Satan it's to keep people from a happy, fulfilling walk with Christ. Even billboards along our roads use lust as a gimmick to sell products. While sin promises so much, while it promises to be so fulfilling, while it appears to be so pleasurable it never is, it leaves a person empty, frustrated, unfulfilled, and feeling dirty. I must say again, I don't believe that Jesus was talking about a passing thought, but about planned, deliberate, continual feeding of adulterous thinking. When Jesus said that it was better to pluck out the offending eyes or cut off the offending hands, he was certainly not suggesting a surgical cure. What Jesus meant was that anything that entices us to sin should be firmly and fully rooted out. Now, how is that done? I wish I had a sure cure. We had a letter recently from a man on precisely this point. How does a man cure his thoughts? I make three suggestions. First, we do have the power to volitionally stop feeding our imaginations. Sin begins in the imagination. While imagination is a God-given gift, if the eye feeds it dirt, then it will be dirty. We can stop feeding it. Second, Sometimes the best way to stop feeding the mind dirt is to busy ourselves with other physical matters. When we keep busy, we don't have time to feed lust. And third, fill the mind with clean thoughts. Nothing will stop the process of evil thinking like good thinking. Input equals output. What you put into your mind will translate itself into action. Deliberate, planned, good thoughts will leave no room for evil concentration. It takes planning and it takes effort, but it will be worth it. The fourth, and perhaps the most important, is to allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and focus them on what is right and what is honoring to the Lord.
News, a radio production of Creative Encounters, or mailing address is Post Office Box 840H after California 93263, USA.